So today I want to explore a question that many people have asked or have wanted to ask God, especially during dark times. You know, uh, about 10 years ago, a popular research group did a survey and they, they went around and they, and they uh, asked thousands of people, church-going people, non-church-going people, if you could ask God any one question and knew He would give you an answer, what would you ask Him? And you know, as they surveyed everybody, the number one question that people would ask after thousands were surveyed was this, God, why is there suffering in the world today? Why is there suffering in the world today? And another kin to that, why do bad things happen to good people? That's good questions, isn't it? Why is there suffering today? And why is it that bad things happen to good people? Well, uh, why does... Uh, why does suffering happen in the world today? Well, let's explore that for a little bit. And first of all, I want to mention that uh, people struggle spiritually because of the issue of suffering. Have you ever talked to somebody that was just really down, really discouraged? And whenever you talked to them, you found out that they were just a little bit uh, disillusioned by the suffering that they personally have endured or suffering that they've seen somebody else go through. You know, some are struggling in their faith in prayer because of suffering. You know, I was, I was thinking about just that, that mother that, that has a, a child or had a child that was, was, uh, was an ad- addictive personality and they, they were addicted to alcohol or addicted to drugs or whatever. And they prayed for that, that child. And they prayed for that child. And one day they get the call that the child didn't make it and they ov- overdosed on drugs. You know, what, is, what does a mama do? What, what does she do? You know, the issue of suffering can cause you to lose confidence in prayer. God, I prayed for my child. I, pr- I called out to you. Why didn't you hear my prayer? Why didn't you answer my prayer? And so there's a bewilderment about prayer, and they lose confidence in prayer because of this suffering that they've gone through. I'm thinking about uh, people that have become angry with God because of suffering. They, they've gotten to that place of bitterness you know, one day uh, I was counseling, a, a years ago I was, t- I was counseling a teenager and, and I, we got a call that this teenager was really struggling in their life and they, they were suffering with major depression, they were suicidal, and they were even hearing demonic voices. They, they were just mentally tormented. And so, uh, so we went and, and visited uh, this family and began talking to this teenager and, and as we began to talk to the teenager, and we just asked some probing questions to find out where they were and trying to encourage them to turn to God and look to God for help in their life. And you know what we discovered as, as, we, as we dug deeper into the life of that child is that child had become bitter with God because her mom had died at a young age. And, and whenever that death happened, you know, she's like, well, God, you're the one that gives life, takes life. And my mom's gone and, and I'm young and I can't understand why you would do that to me. And that opened the door for a bitterness towards God to come in. And, and all of a sudden now they, she was hopeless and helpless because darkness had evaded her life. How many of you know whenever you get bitter at God, that's not a good place to be? It's not a good place to be. And so as we began to minister to her and helped her to, to understand, you know, the, why some of this stuff happens, you know, she, she just, uh, you know, repented, just turned her heart towards God, and immediately the voices stopped. The depression broke, and her life was changed. God changes lives. Amen. 
And, and this is what happened to this young lady. You know, some struggle with, with simply becoming a Christian because of suffering. I remember, you know, they can't understand. Why would a good God allow suffering in the world? If God is so good, why would He allow people to suffer? And I remember another situation where I was ministering uh, to a person and just trying to, to uh, they were having trouble in their life, they were having trouble in their family, and, and again, it was one of those cases where, where you're trying to minister to them and just trying to minister the love of God. And, and you know, as I was just talking, you know, this, this guy says, you know what, you know, I don't know about this good God stuff. You know, look at my niece. Look at the condition that she's in. She was born a handicapped and she's lived in this wheelchair all her life. And more than likely, she won't live to an elder or an older age. How could God do that? And so, you know, this, this issue of suffering was the roadblock between him and his relationship with God. And so sometimes suffering can really hinder a person from moving on and going on with God. Are you all with me out there? And so why would God allow bad things to happen to good people? Today we're going to try to answer that question of why God allows suffering. And we're going to begin by asking this question. Why didn't God create a world where there was no evil and suffering in the first place? Why didn't He create that? Why didn't He create a perfect world? Well, the answer to that question is... He did. He did create a perfect world without pain and without suffering. And as you look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, it says that God saw that all he had made and behold, it was very good. Do you know that when God first created the world, it was very good? And so God created, the Bible says, everything and it was good, the scripture says. And so God is not the creator of evil and suffering because God is the creator of good. Amen? So if God created evil and suffering and he didn't create it, you know, where did it come from? If everything he creates is good, where did evil and pain come from? Where did suffering come from? Well, suffering and evil came into the world as a result of man's disobedience to God. Amen? Are y'all with me? And, and you see, so we, we look at God and we shake our fists at God and say, God, why did you allow this? And really, the reason why there's suffering in the world is our, own, is our own fault. Suffering is a result of man's rebellion against God. That's where he came in. And so Genesis 3 and 17 says, And to the man, he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So why, why is suffering and evil? It's a result of man's disobedience. Because of man's disobedience, two kinds of evil came into the world. First of all, the first kind of evil is moral evil. And, and that's which pain and suffering that results when we make the, the choice to be selfish, to be arrogant, to be uncaring, to be abusive. That is a result of a lot of the suffering in the world. In fact, somebody estimated that 95% of the pain and the suffering that happens on this earth in this world is a result of our own sins or the sins of other people. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So most suffering results from man's sin. 
Why do people get murdered? Because people's choices. Because of the sins of the people in the world. Why does so many people starve to death? Most of the time, it's because of the greed of people in governmental offices. You know, there's, sometimes there are people that are starving to death, and they say, why is God allowing people to starve when there's all this food on the, on the harbors of, of, of different coasts and countries, and, and the government is holding it back because they're trying to control people? How many of you know evil will cause lots of suffering in the world today? The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Amen? And so man's disobedience to God is the primary source of suffering in the world. The second kind of evil is called natural evil. Natural evil is suffering caused by natural disasters like earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes. Natural evil is the natural phenomenon that causes pain and suffering. Like whenever there's a tsunami, whenever people's, the whole villages, our whole communities are destroyed by a tornado. And people look at that and they say, God, you're in charge of all this stuff. Why did you allow that? But you know, sin not only affected mankind, but sin also affected the world. God didn't create it out of order. It's sin that affected it. In Genesis 3, 17, uh, it says that to the man, he said, Since you listened to your wife, ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And in your, and all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. Do you know that the reason why the, the, there's calamity is the effects of sin on the world? The earth, the Bible says, is grown in. In, in Romans 8.22, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Even our world is affected. You know, if, if we wouldn't have had sin, we wouldn't have to weed our gardens. Amen? They wouldn't have that stuff. When God created the world, it was perfect. It was paradise. And man rebelled against God, and that's where the problem came in. You know, so really, you know, we shouldn't say, God, why do you allow suffering? We should say, why do you not allow more suffering? Amen? Why do you hold it back? You know, because God is the creator, and we turn our back on God. We rebel against God. But you know, it's like creation itself is longing for the day for its redemption when order comes back and there's no more chaos in, its, in the creation. God is not the author of suffering and evil. Suffering and evil is a result of man's disobedience to God. Amen? But you know, one day he's going to put a stop to it. One day the, the suffering is going to end. Amen? It's all going to stop. And he's going he's gonna to put a, 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 an end to all of the suffering and the pain that goes on in the world. If God didn't create suffering and evil, why did he create it with the potential for evil and suffering? Why didn't he just create it where there was not even that ability for man to disobey? Why did God create it? Well, the answer is because he loves us. See, he loves us? Yeah. You know, John 3.16 says, for God so loved us. You know, if, if God loves us so much that he was willing to sacrifice for us, isn't that right? You know what Richard was talking about, the sacrifice Jesus made? And, if God, if, and, and because God loves us, he created us with a free will, and he let us choose. You know, and so the free will is having the ability to make our own choices. Aren't you glad that God didn't make us a robot? 
And then he didn't make us slaves and he forced us to do everything he said to do. How many of you know that's not really love? You know, if you control somebody and make them do everything, that's not really love. And so God loved us enough to not make us robots and put us in this, in this like a wind-up toy and say, this is what you're going to do. Amen? Because there's no relationship there. That's how he created the animals, but there's no relationship there. He created us in a, to have a relationship, and the only way to have a relationship, there has to be the free will to choose to be in that relationship. So the reason why there's the potential for it is because he gave us our free will. And the reason why he gave us our free will is because he loves us and didn't want to make us robots or enslave us. Amen? Are you got that? Amen. But the problem is we've abused our freedom of will. And we've made the wrong choices. And in the process, we rejected God. So the potential for pain and suffering in the world came... From us abusing our ability to choose. Our self-will that God gave us because He loves us. And so the question, is there any good that can come out of suffering? If it's here and we got to endure it. Is there any good? How many of you would say yes? How many of you would say no? Is there any good that can come out of suffering? How many of you would say yes? I think there is. God can use suffering to accomplish good in our lives. Amen? And, and uh, there's three ways God uses suffering. There's many more. I'm just going to bring out three ways today. But you know, one way God uses suffering is God uses pain and suffering to draw people to Christ. You know, whenever you, whenever you talk to people and you say, tell me your story. Tell me how you came to Christ. I've only heard of one person in all my days that would say that they came to Christ because everything was going so well that they just had to turn around and say, God, thank you for your blessings. Only one person. Everybody else I know, whenever you hear their story of how they came, became a Christian, how they got saved, they will tell you it's because they went through a crisis in their life. And their crisis drew them to the Lord. How many of you would say, that's my story? You know, that's, that's everybody's story, or most everybody's story. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. So the Scripture says God's purpose for allowing suffering many times is to lead us to repentance. Suffering brings repentance and turns us towards God. You know, while we're, everything is going fine, we don't want to turn to God. We don't want to embrace God. We don't need God. But whenever crisis hits, many times that's whenever we realize, I need God's grace in my life. Amen? I'm so grateful for those, those desert years that I came through whenever I came to Christ. I wouldn't trade Him for anything. How about you? You know, C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. He shouts to us in our pain. Suffering is God's megaphone to get our attention. You know, typically we don't turn to God and seek him when things are great. Isn't that right? But God is usually the furthest thing from our minds when everything is going good. But typically... When we go through a crisis, we'll realize, you know what? I need some help that is beyond myself. 
I need some strength that is beyond myself. And it will cause us to turn to the Lord. How many of you have ever heard of Johnny Erickson Tata? You ever heard of that lady? This lady was an athlete and she was, uh, she was very fit and, and all that. And she was diving one day and she dove in the water and uh, she hit her head on the bottom and she got paralyzed when she was 17 years of age. And, uh, you know, uh, she, spent thir- she spent 30 years of her life in a wheelchair at the time that she penned this. She wrote these words concerning the pain and the suffering that she went through. And she said, I quote, I would rather be in this wheelchair knowing God than on my feet without Him. You know, I can't remember who's the blind lady. Um, Helen Keller. I think that's her. And she said, I would rather be blind than to have my eyesight and to lose my vision of God. How many of you know, saints, your relationship with God is the most precious thing? Everybody else might walk out, turn their back on you, throw rocks at you, whatever. But if you got God, you're going to be all right. Because He'll take you through. Are you all with me today? So that's why we can look at our turmoil, we can look at our suffering and say, you know what? Hey, this is not bad. Amen. Because through that, God draws me to Himself. And so... Are you suffering in your life right now? Are you suffering right now? You're going through trials and tribulations. God might be using your circumstances as a megaphone to get your attention, to turn you towards Him. And the best place you ever live your life is smack dab in the center of God's will. And that's normally how we get there. You're a perfect candidate to experience God in a powerful way if you're suffering right now in your life. Another way God uses suffering is God uses suffering to shape our character. To shape our character. Romans 5, 3 and 4 says not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Rejoice in sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. It's the old saying, no pain, no gain. That's the, that's the original place of it, amen. And you know, whenever you talk to people that have been on this globe for a long time and that have endured a lot of hardship, a lot of trials, and a lot of tribulation, you can see in their face there's something in them that you just admire. You know how they got it? Through pain and suffering. Through the the school of hard knocks. Amen? But it has deposited in them something that is wonderful. And it shapes your character. The Bible says all things that we go through work together for the good if we love God. All things. Including suffering. God uses suffering to bring good in our lives. Romans 8.28 When we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. All things includes pain and suffering. So God uses pain and suffering as a tool to produce purpose and, and His destiny in our lives. Those, for those whom He foreknew, the next verse says, He predestined to become conformed to the image of God. What's God's purpose for our life? Well, the scripture says to be conformed to the image of Christ. 
Do you know what, you know, people say, I want to know what God's will is for my life. Well, let's start here. God's will is for you to become more and more like Christ. Well, I'm not interested in that. That's God's will for your life. And the more and more that we become like Christ, the better off we'll be. Amen? God's created purpose for our life is to become more and more like Jesus Christ. He predestined us to become more and more like Christ. To be Christ-like means we think like Jesus, we feel like Jesus, and we act like Jesus. And how many of you know that if we become more like Jesus, our life will be better? You know, think about it. What causes our relational problems? Not being like Jesus. Amen? How come we, have, we live in emotional turmoil? Because our emotions are not stable like Jesus's. Amen? How come we, we create so many problems for ourselves? Because we misbehave and do the things that we shouldn't? If we'd behave like Jesus, feel like Jesus, act like Jesus, think like Jesus, our life would be better off. Can I get a better amen? So how does he make us like, like himself? How does he conform us into his image? Well, there's two ways. First, through truth. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he transforms us. He changes us by giving us the truth and the truth washes away our stinking thinking. We get right thinking in our life and that changes our life. But the other way is through suffering. James 1 and 2 says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, the more we become Christ-like, the more we will experience Christ-like blessings. You know, whenever I start losing the blessing of life, it's whenever I'm not acting Christ-like. But the more I act Christ-like, the more God's blessings flow in my life. And I think it's the same way with you too. Right? Christ-like character equals Christ's life blessing. Christ-like character equals Christ's life blessing. The third way God uses suffering is God uses pain and suffering to position us for a greater blessing. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want greater blessing? We all want greater blessing. How many of you would still want greater blessing if God uses suffering to get you there? Oh, I'm out. I'm out. I want to be blessed, but I don't want to go through suffering. Nobody, you know, nobody likes the pain of working out. Everybody likes the fruit of working out. Nobody likes to eat right, but everybody likes the fruit of eating right. No pain, no gain. Amen. But you know, God wants to bless us and we want to be blessed of God. But you know what? God uses pain and suffering to position us for a greater blessing. You know, I I heard Brother Francis and I went to a conference years ago and this this great man of God that was, was towards the end of his life, he preached a sermon and talked about Good and bad travel on parallel tracks. And they normally arrive at about the same time. You know, at the same time we're going through all this suffering, God will bring blessings right alongside of it, and it arrives at your house about the same time. You know, on one hand, you're going through all this suffering. On the other hand, God will bless you miraculously. Amen. It's like we say, God, I want a closer walk with you. And then we go through suffering and he draws us. And all of a sudden we have personal revival. 
We're going through suffering, but we got revival in our life. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Amen. And so, you know, so we, you know, sometimes God will allow us to suffer because he simply is preparing us for a greater blessing right down the road. And whenever I think about that, I think about Job. He's the perfect example. You know, there's more people that have read Job and they say, God, how in the world could you let a man go through something like that? This, I can't believe. I remember talking to a lady one time and she's like, you know, I was witnessing to her and witnessing to her. And one day I, I, I saw her and, and I was just trying to witness to her. And, and she said, I want you to answer a question. So what's that? Why in the world would God allow a man to go through what Job went through? I just finished reading that book and I cannot believe what that God allowed that man to go through. So did you read the whole book? Yeah. Did you catch the end of the story? Because there's a great end to the story. But sometimes oh, we, 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 we get skewed because so for some reason we're not sure God is a good God. And we, we, lose, we lose sight. But look at Job chapter 1. It gives us a commentary of suffering. Listen to this. You know, Job suffered like few of us will ever suffer in our life. But in verse 13, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a message arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys, feeding beside them. And when the Sabaeans raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of, of, of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. That's a bad day. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this, mu- this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in the oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and it hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. That is a bad day. He lost all his possessions and he lost all his children in one day. And to add insult into injury, his wife turns against him and his friends turn against him. How many of you know that's bad? When everything is going wrong in your life and those closest to you, they turn against you too. That's what Job went through. Ever had a day like that? That's what Job went through. But God used Job's suffering to position from greater blessing. The greatest verse in this book is in chapter 42 in verse 10. And it says, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Sometimes we miss that part. Did you catch what what happened to Job? The Lord not only returned everything he lost, The Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. He blessed him over and above. God positioned Job for a greater blessing through suffering. I want that to happen to me. How about you? And then listen, listen to this. In Job 42, 12, it says, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. Wow. 
And whenever it all balled down and Job ended at the end of his life, the end of his commentary on his life, verse 16 of 42 says, After this, Job lived 140 years, and he saw his children and his grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. Isn't that a great ending to a bad start? God used suffering to position Job for greater blessing. Remember in Corinthians where Paul said, you know, he's, he said, I was, I was praying and, and uh, asking the Lord to take this thorn out of my flesh. He said, you know, God was really working in my life. I had visions and, and I'm not sure where I went, but man, I just had an experience with God. And I got this thorn in my flesh and I prayed and I said, God, would you just take this, this suffering out of my life? And he said, I just didn't pray once. I prayed three times. I said, Lord, take this suffering out of my life. Take this thorn out of my life. But God never took the thorn out of his life. Rather, he said, listen, in the midst of your suffering, I'm going to work something in you that is going to be greater than the pain that you're enduring. And you know what? He said, my grace is sufficient. I'm going to take you through this. And you know what? The more that you suffer, the greater my grace will be in your life. And Paul went from having a negative view of suffering to a positive view of suffering. And he said, wow, I'm not going to rejoice in my suffering. Because the power of God is going to rest on me. Amen. We decide the effect suffering will have in our life. Do you know that? That we decide our attitude towards suffering determines the effect that suffering will have on us. Our suffering can either make us bitter Or our suffering can make us better. God never intends pain and suffering to make us bitter in life. God's intention is to make us better. You know, we say, well, I don't don't understand why God allowed me to suffer. Have you ever wondered why God would allow His Son Jesus to suffer? You know, all the intention of His suffering was for our good. Amen? And so it depends on our attitude towards suffering. It depends what's going to happen through suffering. And in James chapter 1, he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Are you crazy? What do you mean? Count it all joy when I encounter various trials. Are you insane? How, can, how in the world can you go through bad times and look at it in a positive light? We'll read the rest of the verse. Because in your trials and tribulations, it's going to produce in you. It's going to have a positive effect in you. Amen? And he said the end result is you're going to be complete, perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. How can you be excited about suffering? When you realize that God can and will always use our pain, use our suffering for our benefit. Amen? That's the right perspective. You know, when Job went through all this ordeal, when he got that, that, that news, the countless reports of all this, your oxen have gone, your sheep are gone, your children are gone, your house is gone, everything's gone. You know, the Bible says in Job 1.20, Job stood up, he tore his robe in grief, he shaved his head, fell to the ground to worship. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb, I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. It was Job's attitude that positioned him to be blessed with a greater blessing. 
And I think it's our attitude towards the suffering that we go through that's going to determine what's going to be the outcome of our pain and in our suffering in life. Amen. So I think we need to not make it, bit, make it, let suffering make us bitter, but let it make us better. I remember a couple years ago, I went to do a funeral. And uh, I was doing a funeral of a, a couple. They only had one child. And I'm doing the funeral of this child that overdosed. I didn't know what to say. What do you tell somebody? It's a hard place to be. You're grasping for words. You're grasping for comfort. And I can remember the funeral home was packed with people. Never seen so much grief and so much pain. And I remember going back to this story and looking at the family and saying, listen, you know, I know right now it's hard to make sense. It's hard. How, what are you going to say? I, I don't know what to tell you. But I just know this, that the only reason that we have so much grief and pain is because God blessed us with the privilege of knowing this girl that's in the casket today. And so instead of looking at all the negative, I think we need to take the time to say, thank God that we had. You know, there's a lot of families that would love the chance of having a child. And so you can look at the years you won't have, but you can look at the years that you did have. You know, it's easy for us to shake our fists at God. It takes no character to become bitter. It takes a lot of character to become better. Amen? And you know what? After the service, this lady walked up to me. Tears streaming down her face. And she looked at me and she said, thank you for this service today. Said, I lost a child 30 years ago. And I've been bitter at God for 30 years. And I never understood it. But today, I'm changing my attitude. And I'm going to thank God for giving me a child for the years that He gave me a child. You know, I don't know who that lady is, and I'll probably never see her again. But you know what? When your perspective is right on suffering, saints of God, it can help you in life. In the world, Jesus said, you're going to suffer. You're going to have tribulation. But be encouraged. I've overcome the world. Amen? So let's, let's keep our attitude right. The only reason why we suffer, it's not God's fault. It's our fault that we broke and disobeyed God. The only reason why they got all this stuff going on in the world today is because our rejection of God, our disobedience to God. It's not God's fault, it's our fault. He made the perfect world, amen? And one day, He's going to come back and restore it to its rightful place. You know, this suffering is, is just temporary. But one day, when we cross over the other side, the Bible says that the glory that will the glory, you know, the suffering of this present life cannot be compared with the glory that will be revealed. Amen. So listen, we've gone through pain and suffering in this life, but one day when it's all ended and we get into heaven and we live with God for all eternity, the glory that will be revealed in heaven won't be able to, this suffering will pale in comparison to the blessing that we'll have for all eternity. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer. Come on, let's do like Job and 
you're suffering today. You know, today you might just have lost your confidence in believing God for something because you've been believing, you prayed. You know, like that mother that prayed for her child, prayed for her child. And he didn't make it. Can I encourage you not to throw away your confidence in the Lord today? I can't give you the answers to all of it. I can't give you the solutions. But I know God is good. I just want to encourage you to restore your faith and your confidence in the Lord today. And not allow suffering to kill your relationship with the only one that can make your life better. I want to encourage you today. If you've gone through great suffering, if you've been betrayed, you've been hurt, and right now it's just hard for you to connect with God because in your mind you wonder, well, God, why did you allow this? Why am I going through this? And you've, you, you've circled that mountain of questioning God's character. I want to encourage you today to change your attitude, to change your heart, and not to be bitter at God. God loves you, and He's the only one that can help you. There is no hope for you whenever you've turned away from God, whenever you've, whenever you've lost hope in God. Can I encourage you today to just open up your heart today, open up your life today, and just let God, and just, just let God just shower you right where you are. May the grace of God be on you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody in here today, maybe you've never surrendered your life to God because there's questions about about things that you see and you wonder about whether God is good or whether God's character is right. Can I encourage you to open up your heart, surrender your life to Jesus Christ? If that's you today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I want to turn my life over to Jesus. Just raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Say, Todd, I, I just right now, I just want to give my life over to him. Just raise your hand and I want to pray for you for God to just... Just come in, forgive your sins, and just touch you right where you are. Like this lady that for 30 years was bitter at God and wouldn't turn to God. And in one instant, God just gave her light and turned her whole life around. God wants to meet you right where you are. He wants to touch you right where you are. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus. Thank you for suffering for me, for dying for me, for taking the penalty of my sin so I don't have to pay that price. Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. I ask you to forgive me for shaking my fist at you. Lord, I don't want to curse you. I want to bless you. I want to live for you. Come this day into my heart. Wash my sins. Cleanse my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me a fresh start today. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.